there, I'm Stacy. I love talking about how to know and live out God's callings in our lives, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in comfy armchairs. You can head over to my website for more on discernment, stacysummerow.com. That's S-T-A-C-E-Y-S-U-M-E-R-E-A-U.com. Happy 2019. I cannot believe we're already in 2019. I have no idea where the time goes. Also, how was your Christmas? Mine was really good. I did a lot of relaxing, a lot of letting my in-laws hold my babies, which was really great while I ate their food. Um, And I'm still like getting off the sugar high, but it was all really, really good. We made some great memories. So before we get to the episode today, I wanted to ask you for a really quick favor. I would love, love, love it if you would hop on over to iTunes after this podcast episode is over, and if you would leave a little review, um, and I would especially love it if that review is five stars. It only takes like 10 seconds, and the great thing about good reviews is that they get more visibility in iTunes. So if you have found this podcast to be helpful in your life, which I really hope you have, and if you want other people who have similar needs to find it, your review will help contribute to that. Don't forget, you can also find a lot more on my website about discernment. I have a blog and you can find every episode of Called and Caffeinated. Plus, I give away a free worksheet called How to Make the Right Choice, which I just give away to my subscribers for free because I love y'all. So let's talk about the episode today. I have a guest named Natalie Stilwell who has an amazing story. She's a convert and she talks about her transformation of understanding who she is as a daughter of God. So you know that New Year's phrase, new year, new you, which I've never really been a big fan of because in my own life, I used to just get on the hamster wheel every January 1st and I would always think like, this is the year I'm going to lose weight. And what I started to really realize after a lot of years was that it wasn't my weight that needed to change. It was my perception of myself and my understanding of who I am in this world. So I've been speaking about discernment for several years. I've also been speaking about self-image, but I never really realized the connection between those two things until this year when I started my podcast. It turns out that self-image and a healthy understanding of our identity is the springboard for all right discernment because you cannot make good decisions unless you have a trusting relationship with God. You can't abandon yourself to him unless you really know that he loves you more than anything else in the world. So we're going to get in deep with Natalie Stilwell. She's awesome. I think you're going to really admire and love her as much as I do. So let's get to it. Natalie, it's so nice to have you on Called and Caffeinated. Welcome. Thank you. So happy to be here with you, Stacey. Yeah. Now, we um, were just talking a minute ago, and we established that you're a little bit under the weather and that you had herbal tea, but that you are not currently drinking anything. But it's okay, because I'm drinking my coffee. (laughs) And I really need to start getting some sponsorships from some um, coffee creamer companies, because right now I have this Nestle, I think it's like the Cheesecake Factory brand or something. Mm -hmm. It's like cheesecake-flavored coffee creamer. Yeah, might make some people want to throw up, but it's actually really good. Yeah, so I'm thrilled to have you here today, and this episode is going to air on January 1st, which is, for a lot of us, kind of a time to really think about 
who we want to be in the future. So rather than trying to make ourselves into something new, this year I kind of would love for anyone listening to really think about the truth of our it's identity. very, very exciting for me to explore this with you today. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. So I would love to hear about your journey. Um, you have a really cool story. So can you just tell us about your journey into the Catholic faith and your upbringing? Absolutely. Um, I was raised in a very much nominal Christian home. Um, I'm sure that my family would say that they are Christians if they were cornered, um, because it seems <laughs> offensive to them to not say that. <laughs> uh -huh. But we did not live faith whatsoever. I mean, I think there was one piece of art in our house that actually had a scripture on it. Um, my mother never spoke about it. Like we didn't pray together. We didn't talk about scripture or really go to church, um, except for occasionally the Christmas pageant and uh, maybe at Easter for the Easter egg hunt. Mm. Were um, you baptized Catholic or were you a different, were you a Christian denomination? So I will say I was baptized early on in the Methodist church. For the most part, my home was very secular and, and pretty atheistic. Um, it was a broken home and there was, there was some violence in the home. And um, so as I was getting older, more towards puberty, I began to really ask the questions about, you know, life and death and what happens in the next life. And will I see people who've passed away in my family, you know, on the, on the other side of this life? And what does that look like? And it just really got the wheels turning like, okay, you know what, maybe I should start looking at the Bible and, and try to figure out what's going on there. So mm. I started reading the Bible. Of course, I started in the beginning because it's a book and that's what you do. Um, but I, just, it, I had no foundation for understanding scripture. So I, I decided like I have to go to a church because I don't know what the heck this, this book is supposed to be conveying to me. So right. I, I did a church hopping within the Protestant world. Um, Catholicism was not on my radar whatsoever at that time. Mm. And, and so eventually, like, God provided those answers, you know, seek and you will find. And that is exactly what happened. So I ended up ultimately um, joining a Baptist church and being really engaged there throughout, you know, middle school and high school. And that was a blessing. Um, I went to Dallas Baptist University and I pursued biblical studies. The deeper I got into the biblical studies, um, I was wondering why are even biblical scholars not able to agree on important doctrinal questions and interpretations of scripture. Um, and at some points, I felt like there was like this intellectual gymnastics going on where they're like, oh, um, well, in the Greek this and, you know, the Latin that, and they they were sort of skewing it in a Protestant interpretation when, you know, what I was learning, I'm like, well, I mean, it seems pretty clear that like Peter is the rock. And that, sort of thing. <laughs> that very next semester is when I was required to take philosophy for the first time. And I wasn't really looking forward to it. I didn't know what it was. And it changed my life. Um, mm -hmm. The particular professor was phenomenal. He introduced me to St. Augustine. We read the Confessions. And um, through that, I kind of started looking at church fathers, and I was just amazed that the early church from, from the very beginning believed in the presence of Christ in the Eucharist and um, revered Mary and that sort of thing. So my world was sort of getting turned upside down on one hand, but on the other hand, it was so exciting because I'm like, wow, there's some, there's some answers coming to me. Like, maybe there's more to the story. Maybe there's mm. more 
that happened before the Reformation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I would secretly play the rosary um, kind of as a witness <laughs> test. And I'd walk the track at nighttime with the rosary in my hand. And, um, awesome. People were starting to get suspicious, but... <laughs> <laughs> I love you're like this undercover Catholic in your evangelical church. So then yeah. what really tipped the balance for you to, to become Catholic? You know, it's kind of funny. I've had a series of health issues over the years, um, but I had like it first really hit me hard. Maybe it was my senior year of college. Um, so I've had Lyme disease for some time, but I didn't know that until recently. Oh. That that's what it was. Um, yeah. But just, it hit me really hard and, knocked me out for a couple of weeks. And so during that time, I picked up Carl Keating's book, um, oh gosh, Fundamentalism versus Romanism, I think is what it's called. Okay. And I read it from cover to cover and it was, he was just so logical and articulate and gave great evidence for um, just rebutting the anti-Catholic arguments that are pretty typical that are out there that mm -hmm. I had raced up to that point and also I was taking a logic class and that was making a huge difference in my life because you know we'd talk about things like going back to the original source instead of listening to some you know five parties removed source about what the original party believes even though I cried a lot because I was really scared that the church might actually have the fullness of truth and that I would have to convert uh, at that point, I finally just let go and like free fall, and it was mm. it was great. I just felt like I'm finally home, and there was so much joy. How has your kind of your concept of identity changed over the years? I will say it it's hard to unlearn some of the messages that you internalize about yourself when you're growing up, mm -hmm. um, and yes. so I do lament that I didn't have. Um, a more stable and intellectually rooted and faith-filled home mm -hmm. because I picked up a lot of messages about um, myself as a woman and um, there was a lot of exposure to sexually perverse things as well. Mm -hmm. And it, it just kind of was like a little cancer planted in my <laughs> In my mind and my concept of myself that over the years would kind of play out in different ways. I mean, mm -hmm. we and all I think we that. all have that, honestly. We're all wounded in different ways. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. Even in the best of homes, like Satan and the culture, like it has, it all has its ways of getting in there. And of course, yes, you know, original sin. But um, yes. so, you know, here I was on one hand, just so happy to learn more and more about God and to try to be holy, but not really having um, that foundation, not having a lot of friends to pull from. I mean, over the years, I slowly created better circle of influence. But um, let's see, once I became Catholic, um, that was awesome. I ended up moving off to D.C. right out of college, and it's actually a phenomenal area if you're Catholic. Mm -hmm. Like diocese um, up there, I was in Arlington, Virginia. And oh yeah, that's my home diocese too. There's a lot of big families, a lot of Catholics out there. Yeah, so I feel like that was like my womb as a Catholic, where God mm -hmm. was really forming me, and that He knew that that's what I needed. So I really felt like I had a home. I had my spiritual family and all the saints and the Blessed Mother, and I had 
you know, I could practically walk to the adoration chapel <laughs> and yeah. there was any moment of the day. And it was wonderful. Like I was just saturated in Catholicism. And <laughs> mm. um, but, but the, that root of, um, insecurity and longing to really truly feel accepted like it's still played out in different ways in my life um and so I ended up getting really 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 horribly sick from my Lyme disease um after I'd been up in DC for maybe nine years or so mm-hmm. and I'd worked for the church and I'd taught at Catholic high schools and I'd gotten a master's degree in theology and mm-hmm. it's just so interesting what a trial of health can do. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I keep Job and how Satan asked to sift him, and I'm like, wow! Like I got a good sifting, and it and it did reveal some things that are still in there that I believe about myself or about um, you know being lovable. And uh, mm-hmm. anyway, so when I moved back down to Texas um, to be close to my family. So with Lyme disease, it's so bizarre. Like if you have it neurologically, like in your brain, um, it can cause a lot of electromagnetic sensitivity, which at the time I didn't know. Everybody just thought I was crazy. I'm like, oh, these smart meters are hurting me. <laughs> and you know, the microwave. Um, and so I, like, again, this is something I never expected ever to be a part of my life. But I had to sleep in my car for months because wow. it was so to be inside of buildings because of all the electrical stuff and uh, yeah it was just crazy I'm like this is the craziest life and you know I I got angry at God I was very angry (laughs) like this doesn't make any sense what's happening I still didn't know what was causing it at the time Um, but Lyme the the spirochetes uh, for Borrelia are very sensitive to electromagnetic stuff so they can make Mm. you feel pretty yucky when they're mad (laughs) um so, you know, and my family, like, honestly, they did the best they could to support me, but they didn't know what was going on. It was really difficult for them. My stepfather was having his own health problems. And, I mean, basically, they were just, you've, you've got to find something else to do. Like, we can't, <laughs> we can't keep wow. you here. And, um, and so it was just a very, very difficult, lonely, and scary time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I met someone and it was somebody who in the midst of all the craziness going on in my life was very um, accepting of me and you know I just wanted to be loved and I wanted affection and I was scared and, and, you're and then sick now too. And I didn't even have a place to keep my stuff you know <laughs> I was already sleeping wow. in my car but it's, I have to find a place to live and I didn't have very much money so mm-hmm. I ended up moving with him and uh, it wasn't what I wanted, like I wasn't proud of it, but I see looking back on my life, this sort of pattern of compromise around relationships with men. Mm. Um, you know, it, again, like it's not what I wanted, but just sort of denying my own desires and my own emotions and saying, well, I'll take something lesser than so yes. that I can feel loved. Yes. Um, so we moved in together. And even though I know he had originally told me, you know, he would, he was interested in chastity um, and he did actually become Catholic. So there, I mean, he's not, I'm not throwing him under, but he's Mm -hmm. got a huge heart and he's come a long way in his life and now he's Catholic. But um, we did fall into a period of of unchastity and I ended up getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I was thinking to myself, this is horrible. Like, 
I have this teaching job and I'm living this double life that I don't even want to, but it's like, I feel completely broken and helpless because of my circumstances and I don't know how to be strong in my identity and in what I want and what God wants for me. Um, so that's really something that like I've had to really sit with the shame and process that. And I, I did talk to my, my leaders at the school and let them know what was going on. And, um, and I just didn't return obviously the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided not to marry him because it wasn't, it wasn't a relationship that was, you know, healthy and something I think God was calling us to be together. But of course, choosing life was a no brainer. So I have this beautiful son and through my pregnancy with him, I actually got in touch with a doctor who was able to finally diagnose my Lyme mm-hmm. that helped. It. But I, I wanted to say something also very unexpected in recent times is I decided now that, you know, I've long since made the decision not to marry my son's father. Um, we have a good relationship, of course, and we pray for each other. <laughs> but um, I hired a relationship coach because I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, now that I'm healthier, I see that I've, like, failed to have, like, the kind of love that I have desired um, as far as moving forward in marriage and family life. Mm-hmm. And she's actually secular, but what I've found is so much of what she says is deeply, deeply Catholic. Wow. So much our value and our identity and how it's, it's never in a man and that we have to be, you know, content within ourselves in order to ever really have a wonderful relationship. And it's, it's so interesting that like without even mentioning Christ, but I see it, you know, I see it in everything that she's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, it's helped me to kind of dig deep and look more honestly at where my wounds and the lies that I believe have come from and mm-hmm. to, and to really release those. So yes. I feel like God's through her so beautifully, um, in healing those wounds and being at a place where I could even talk openly about the craziness that has been the last several years of my life. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just want to recognize, first of all, your bravery in speaking about all of this so openly. I think, I think this episode is really going to resonate with people who have woundedness in their past that they're not yet ready to share or that they feel like, well, I can't go to, I can't really go to church or I can't really be completely open with my Catholic peers about this or that thing because I don't want to appear less than perfect because we're all church people and we're all supposed to be perfect. And that's not true at all. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we're a hospital for sinners. We're not a museum for saints in the Catholic church. And I really had wonderful Catholics around me, but you know, it's amazing still. I went to like a, a, a ballet school, which was Christian based. I mean, it was very, my ballet teacher never, made me feel like I needed to lose weight, but I still had that, those lies. They still got in Mm -hmm. about who Mm -hmm. I am, whether or not I'm lovable. And whenever I tell my story, whenever I'm I'm giving a talk, I just always like have this memory of all of those times that I would stand in ballet class in my leotard and my skirt. And I would look at myself in the mirror and I would see my waist. And all I could see was like, oh, that should be smaller. And all I could see Mm -hmm. from my thighs was, oh, they should be smaller. And Mm -hmm. it led to these enormous problems because I didn't really understand that I'm lovable no matter what I weigh. And I didn't really, I didn't really get who I was. Like, it's a huge claim to say that we're children of God. 
And I think so often we just kind of move right past that and we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, let's get to the, the good stuff or whatever. But it's like, no, we are children of God and we are so completely intimately known and loved by him like becoming a mother i I'm, I'm sure you've had this experience yourself becoming a mother like you know your child so well you know you know you change their diaper a hundred times <laughs> a week and, and them every meal and you know their little preferences and and all of the things that make them happy or unhappy and god knows that for us a big transformation for me was song of songs chapter 4 verse 9 i was going through a big um identity crisis i didn't really i i, I wanted to be skinny and so i lost all this weight and um i i did this crazy diet and exercise plan and got down like to way too, my BMI was way too low and I was performing all the time and I was exhausted and my, I mean, my hair was like falling out and, you know, and I, I started to show all the signs that you, uh, you know, of having an eating disorder. And, um, one of the big turning points for me was hearing a friend speak to me the words from Song of Songs, chapter four, verse nine, which is you have stolen my heart my sister, my bride, you have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. Mm -hmm. And something about those words, I'm getting chills even now just saying them or thinking about them because something about that, it permeated into my soul. And, and I started to finally understand that I am lovable. You are lovable. We are all lovable no matter what. And I, I just feel like we're facing this big crisis of identity in our American culture um, with our social media and, and all the lies that we're told all the time. And even if it's not, and, and they're subtle too, you know, it's not like somebody is standing up and saying, you're awful, but we just look at, at other, mm -hmm. at, at images constantly. Like I, I scroll through yeah. Instagram and honestly, that's something I talk about a lot because it is a struggle for me to not compare myself. Yeah. 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 What is that? Um, what do you think about all of that? Like what, uh, it, you know, I just, I find it amazing that like we both were in the same diocese and I grew up there and yet I still have these, mm -hmm. these kind of scripts that are in my head. Yeah, mm -hmm. that is really too. You know, I always assumed in my case, it was because of not having a good foundation, but it is interesting to know, like even the best of homes, you can still be influenced by mm -hmm. those supplies. And again, like you said, maybe no one's coming out and saying them, but it's somehow that little seed gets planted in you. Of, yes. I don't know, self-loathing or whatever. <laughs> but I, I agree. I often like wish I had lived in the time before the internet and before we were bombarded with like movie stars and images of people <laughs> because yes. we're just, it's just this swipe culture. Like it's just, looking at people and um, you know, sometimes the pictures are doctored and sometimes they're not, but just this, I, this standard of yes. um, physical and, and sexual attractiveness. And um, mm -hmm. it's something I really try to consciously like cut out of my life as much as I really can. Mm -hmm. um, because one of the things that came up for me while you were talking is um, the issue of gratitude. Like I think one day when I get to heaven, like God, gonna make it clear to me like look at all this time you you wasted worrying about how you look or if somebody's gonna like you mm -hmm. <laughs> um if give you that time as a gift and I gave you this body as a gift so you could love and you could create and you can 
you know, do X, Y, and Z things and like look at this time that was squandered so needlessly. Mm-hmm. And I don't think bad sort of way, but I often think of that in my mind for some reason and it mm-hmm. helps. You know, even with this whole secular dating coach sort of deal, every woman she works with has body image issues. And yes. so she's huge on having us like speak lovingly about our bodies and be yes. grateful. Be like, I'm grateful that I have legs that can get me from point A to point B and I could go mm-hmm. dance and what they don't look like someone else's legs or the way I think they should. Um, but you have them so, they're there and they are they work yeah. <laughs> which is such yeah. a miracle when you think about it and I right. um, I totally agree and hear everything you're saying and it makes me think about the language that I used to use when I talked to myself in my own head which I know makes me sound mm-hmm. crazy but I think we all kind of do it especially when I looked but, in here I would wake up and I would get on the scale every morning and that was the measure of whether or not I was allowed to be happy that day and it got ridiculous I would write down everything I ate and I would I was so controlling of myself and when I if I got on the scale and I gained a pound which you know it's like your body naturally like eat a little more than you know the day before and so you're going to be a pound heavier the next day or whatever you eat late at night or you know something I needed to be this one particular weight and if I didn't hit that number then I would use that to fuel myself to talk badly to myself so that I could motivate myself to lose weight So I would say, you know, you're stupid and you're fat and you're ugly and no one's ever going to love you. That was the big one. I said, no one's ever going to love you if you look like this. And so I would work out two hours a day, sometimes three hours a day, like ridiculous amounts of working out because my beliefs about myself were not true. There's a lot on men's shoulders as well that they have to these kind of impossible standards they have to live up to or else they're not good enough according to everything Mm -hmm. they're seeing online. Yeah. And also a lot of those wounds, like we've mentioned that we get over the years. Um, I've seen that play out with men too, that they, they'll act a certain way, but it's coming from some sort of internal story. Like they had Mm -hmm. some sort of bad thing happen or, you know, they, they were picked on when they were little or something like that. And, um, and there's just sort of maybe there's a macho story that comes up for them and they live out of that story. And, and it's sort of the same lie of like, you're not really lovable and, and God's not really going to take care of you and you have to step up and you've got to be, you know, hard or financially successful to the nth degree or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. Oh, so true. How do you sort of, um, how did you get from that place of living out the lie of, the things you believed in the past to being able to thrive and sort of um, find hope for your future? It has been a much slower process than I would have liked. (laughs) (laughs) I think Um, we can all say that. (laughs) In a way, like the, like hitting that wall with my health and then like having a a child out of wedlock when I was in a position of teaching theology, (laughs) like, uh, Wow, that's something I never saw coming, but it was extremely humbling, and I felt like I was walking right next to Jesus with his cross in a whole new way I've never felt before. Wow, And it's kind yeah. of liberating. I mean, there's, like, you are aware um, through the online business that I've started, like, I did a series on the transgender issue, and a lot of that was born out of my own suffering. I don't have any issues about my gender identity myself, 
but I've encountered people along the way, you know, one thing that is kind of a, a blessing too about all of this is I was taken away from like my, my awesome Catholic womb that I had up in the DC area. And then I was thrust into this world where, um, I'm, I'm pretty odd, you know, and people don't know what to do with me. And the people that do befriend me are, are kind of the outcast. Um, mm -hmm. like I, a whole community of people who, who live a camping lifestyle because they like, I was when I was extremely sick, they can't tolerate being in buildings or they can't be around any mold or whatever. Wow. So like they actually live away from cell towers and they camp together. And like that's, it's really, some of them used to be very successful and very beautiful, but their bodies have failed them. And now they're thrust into this whole world of struggle mm -hmm. um, on the outskirts of society. And it's such a blessing to have met them and to know them and to, to be able to spend time with them and pray for them because I know what it's like now. And um, I met people along the way who have children who have gender identity issues. Some have dysphoria and some don't have dysphoria. But I decided, like, you know, in, in the Christian and the Catholic world, um, the way we approach this topic and people who deal with it so often comes across very harsh and judgmental. And I think that we can hold the line of truth that God did create us male and female, but also like take a very honest and humble look at what's going on. Oh, and by the way, I really loved your Truth and Gender series. Um, I didn't get to watch quite all of the talks, but um, all the ones that I saw were so well prepared and thoughtful and compassionate. And I, you started out with a whole video just about how to listen, which I thought was so great. Um, and yeah. And, and I think that's something that we as Catholics need to bring to the table first and foremost. And I love that you've sort of taken your own past and been able to bring it into this, this really good work that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I actually mm -hmm. didn't how much like I would steamroll people in the past. Um, mm -hmm. I wasn't too, but I was like so passionate about all the truths I've learned and all the transformation I've had um, through the Holy Spirit. And I didn't always know how to read other people and whether they have the capacity to hear what I was saying. Um, mm -hmm. I, didn't, I didn't realize I needed to stop and listen and truly listen and not sit around thinking about what I'm going to say next. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yes. <laughs> another blessing that I've had to learn the hard way, you know, yeah. the seed falls around and it cracks and it gets stomped down into the mud and then it can become a tree. <laughs> yes. Um, and that's yes. So um, I started So Goes the Future in part because well, it, it's inspired by a quote from John Paul II, where he said, um, as the family goes, so goes the nation and the whole world. Mm. Um, so I did that a spin-off of that because I know what, what the foundation is like in our families and growing up really shapes um, how we see ourselves and the choices we make and also having that family to fall back on when things get hard or when you totally face plant and your faith and morality, <laughs> um, like it, it shapes, you know, who you are in the world and you in turn are shaping the world too. So, um, in the new year, I'll be launching some courses and it'll be offering like, um, logic and kind of an intro to philosophy mm -hmm. for moms to help them learn how to think well and to communicate, um, passionately and really, listen and speak towards truth with their children in a way that is going to be 
productive and that their children can do what they have to say. Um, and then I'll probably also offer courses related to health and nutrition. That's also part of my background now. And um, That's so exciting because I feel like as a mom and like sometimes – I feel a little like brain dead. I'm like, not, you know, obviously caring for my children is incredible, but sometimes I'm like, I haven't spoken to another adult today. I miss being yeah. able to like really think about, to think deeply and it's hard to like get back into it. And um, yeah, it, it, that sounds incredible. I'm very excited. Thank you. And it's also meant to be a place where like moms can be very real and honest, you know, about yes. their goals and imperfections and their maybe their hard questions or maybe their anger at God, you know. I think it's important to have that and yes. kind of like discussion we're having. It's like, yep, we're imperfect. <laughs> yes, we are all imperfect. We are all wounded and we are all coming from a place like in an ideal world, you would be able to discern all of your life choices and you'd hand your life, you'd surrender your life to God, you'd form a trusting relationship with him, you'd hear his voice in your heart and then you'd just like make the you know, all the perfect decisions or whatever, but that's not how it goes really for any of us. So I think it's really important to, um, I, lo I love that you acknowledged it takes a long time to sort of um, get rid of these lies that you may believe about yourself and that it is even through kind of that, that journey of hitting that wall of getting to that low point that you can then start to build truth into your soul. And so the the vulnerability and the crashing and the, the woundedness and all that can all be used by God to, mm -hmm. um, to really inform your future, which I think is, is so cool that you've taken all of these things and sort of synthesized them into helping other people, Natalie, which I think is incredible. Um, I wanted to ask, do you have resources or like advice for people who are maybe, maybe there's, you know, somebody out there right now who's at this low point, who's like, the door is closed. I don't feel like I have open doors to walk through. What, what would you say to those people? Mm -hmm. I guess what comes to my mind first um, is go to our Lord and the Eucharist and like adoration, even if you're in a place where you receive, because maybe you are in mortal sin or something like that. But um just spending time with him and, and letting him love you and giving him a chance to speak to you. And that goes with you once you leave, you know, his grace and just start taking baby steps. I mean, one thing that helped me a ton is I went on a women's retreat. Um, my son's dad like was willing to watch him for that whole weekend. And I just went on a women's church and I heard other women share their own stories and their struggles. And I was able to connect and kind of, get honest with myself about where I was and where I really wanted to be. Um, I took baby steps on getting this business rolling and I joined a mastermind and like just being around other women who um, are really trying to improve their lives, like wore off on me and it helped to value myself. It helped me to honestly just be real with myself and say, this isn't the life I want. This isn't getting me the kind of love that I want. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> this isn't I want, what am I doing? It's, it's sort of weird. You just have these moments where you wake up. <laughs> and you're like, oh. But I think baby yes. steps is huge. And I think also, you know, just putting yourself in God's presence and giving him a chance to show you how much he loves you. And over time, I think that he is always faithful to help us get it deep into our system. Yes. Although some people are blessed and they have more like immediate sort of transformations. <laughs> yeah, it's hard though when you're, if you're really entrenched in something like all this identity stuff, it's like, 
especially if you've been living a certain way, if it's become a lifestyle, that gets really difficult. Like I found myself needing at a certain point, I was working with this, this theater company and I lost weight so that I could get cast in their shows. And I had to stay at that weight. I had to be that thin in order to fit in the costumes. And I remember one time somebody brought a, um, a birthday cake for one of the, the members of the, the cast and everyone was going to get a piece. And the choreographer who had told me I needed to lose weight was like, oh no, you don't need that, Stacy." And I was so embarrassed. It just like, it was like a knife through my heart, you know, and, and I found myself that I was like so deep in this identity Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it was like this, just, it was like it pervaded every aspect of my life. So I, I love baby steps and community is what I'm hearing from what you said a minute ago. Yeah. Finding those people. And in fact, I'm going to do a podcast about, about building community and how important that is for right discernment. So stay tuned Mm -hmm. for that. (laughs) Especially in our world where we're so connected remotely. (laughs) because we're so lovely and we don't you know it's so easy to want to portray a perfect life because you can edit everything (laughs) oh my gosh yes oh man I love those Instagram filters but oh man makes me feel like I can't be vulnerable sometime or I I found that you know you can be vulnerable but you're still sort of choosing what you let show on social media yeah it definitely yeah yeah is there anything else you would like to share Um, let's see. Well, one thing about, I think the community aspect is being able to have someone or a community where it's safe to just be honest about your, your junk (laughs) because it's so, it's so cathartic and it's so good for us to Uh just, just say it, to just get it out there. And then Uh we can start because I think, like you said, you get stuck in this storyline and this lifestyle and this identity um, because you're so scared of what will happen if people know the other thing or you, yes. you don't live the story anymore. And once you take that first step outside of your story and your fears, it, it opens up a whole new world is what I've found over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, so having a safe place to, to take that baby step is always good. And then another thing too, what I've learned through my journey so far in life, and I'm going to strive to live this moving forward is um, accompanying people and their messiness better. Mm. So now what it's like to, um, to be judged by Catholics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so just have a very romanticized view of my fellow Catholics. But now I know what it's like to be misunderstood and to be, um, to be treated like someone who's beyond redemption. And, and that's not to say only Catholics. I mean, other people do that about different things too, but um, it, it's kind of, it's kind of been a blessing to have experienced what it's like to be judged and put on the outside of the Catholic bubble a little bit mm-hmm. by certain people. Um, it's definitely not the story. It's not the truth. Like that's mm-hmm. their issue. Um, but now I understand the other side of the pro-life coin besides helping women choose life is, accompanying them yes. accompanying them, even if they're stuck in a situation where they live with a boyfriend or if it takes them several years to realize that they don't want to marry that person and they're going to need some help getting out and on their feet um yes. or you know financially or whatever the situation is um Amen it, to it's, that. So, it's okay we have to accompany them that's what we were called to do mm-hmm. um Jesus touched the lepers, you know? <laughs> yes, 100%. Uh, 
And I'm just, yeah. I, I'm just sort of like praying as you're speaking and I'm just hearing like freedom is the word that keeps coming back to me. Like God wants us to be free. He wants us to freely make decisions to proactively choose to love, not to just spend our entire lives reacting to some script in our head or some insecurity that's so deep in our hearts. Like he wants us to move past that so that we can be free like, you know, I'm just thinking of this image of like spreading our wings and flying. It's not, it's, we're not meant to live our lives playing out someone else's script in our own, in our own heads over and over and over again, and just reacting to that. Yeah. And, and now we're bringing it full circle. We're coming back to discernment, which is supposed to be a free choice to act towards God's will, whether that's your vocation, whether that's um, a life choice within that vocation, but freedom is the ultimate, um, wish that God has for us, freedom and love. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, that's, thank you for sharing everything that you said. Um, you know, I feel like it, it gives me ideas for like a hundred new episodes I want to do on this podcast. So <laughs> thank you so much for sharing yeah. your, your story. Um, you know, and, and definitely everyone can go check out the truth and gender series is free on your website. Is that right? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, I have to wrap it up cause my little babies need me now, but, um, it's so great talking with you, Natalie. Thank you for being my guest. Thank you so much, Stacey. God bless. Thank you. And there you have it. I hope that this episode added value to your life and gave you the ability to better live out your God-given callings. I'd so love if you would join the conversation. Send me any questions you have on my website. And I would also really love if you would leave a review and a rating on iTunes for me. Thanks so much in advance. I'm going to link in the show notes to things we talked about with Natalie, including her SoGoesTheFuture.com website, where you can find the free Truth and Gender series, which I hope you all enjoy and I do recommend. Stay cool, and I'll see you in two weeks with another episode of Called and Caffeinated. 